airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. There's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Good afternoon. This is airing the Addisons with uh, Will Addison holding it down once again for the family sending you greetings from the Addison tribe. I'm so happy to be with you today. Uh, we have a great show uh, planned uh, for today in the second segment. I'll be interviewing Dr. John Chasteen. Uh, his book is called Half the Battle, Healing Your Hidden Hurts. And so we'll talk more about that. But before we get there, I want to make sure that we uh, get uh, the housekeeping things out of the way. And just remember my admonishment uh, today and going forward is that we will make sure that we understand that the treasure, the treasure is in our homes. Um, we have children, we have grandchildren, we have nieces, nephews. Uh, they are treasures within our homes, within our families. And we have the responsibility to pour into them uh, the word of God, to live a lifestyle in front of them that is glorifying, glorifying to God. Uh, it's just a great opportunity to change things from inside our homes. You know, and I talked about this yesterday that we so a lot of times we look outside of the home, we look past our family into other ways that we can have an effect. You know, uh, when in our homes lie a great, great treasure. And like I said it yesterday, you know, we're, we're, we're in still in this election season where it's not uh, sure who's going to be the president. And, you know, the numbers are still being totaled and all that stuff is going on. Uh, but at the same time, I submit to you that if we raise uh, children with a biblical worldview, that affects their voting. And so a lot of people, you know, who voted for the first time, maybe they had some left leaning uh, beliefs and things like that. But we have an opportunity to indoctrinate our own children with the word of God, give them a biblical worldview by which when they are out, that they know and understand uh, what's at stake, and they're able to discern between good and evil. That was one of the things that you, when you read the book of Daniel, Daniel and his, and his companions, they were said to have discernment. They had great understanding, intellect, and all that stuff, but they had great wisdom and discernment. And my prayer for our children in Christian households is that we would raise children that would have wisdom, that would have understanding, that would understand the times that they are living in and that they would be wise, that they would be wise and they will know how to navigate the culture that they're, that they will be living in because you know, the days are evil. The days are evil. Remember you can download our podcast at afr.net slash podcast or go to the AFR homepage, click on the podcast tab and it, you can scroll down for whatever show you want to uh, download and our show here, our show here is airing the Addisons. Also, you can email us at addisons 
at AFR.net, A-D-D-I-S-O-N-S at AFR.net. Also, check out AFA.net slash events for information about upcoming events and things like that. Uh, I'm going to have some information to share soon about some events that we're going to be doing uh, under the Marriage, Family, and Life um, umbrella, I guess. You know, it's a ministry of uh, American Family Association. Uh, but I'll, I'll let you know about that uh, coming soon. Also, make sure you go and watch In His Image at InHisImage.movie. InHisImage.movie. Once again, a great resource for the church, for individuals, for all Christians that watch this uh, documentary. Uh, man, it answers some of those big questions that we're dealing with in the church today. So I would highly recommend that you go and that you watch In His Image at uh, InHisImage.movie. And also share that information with a friend. Share that information with your pastor. Ask him to, to sign up to, to view the documentary and maybe show it, have a showing for the church. This is very powerful stuff, uh, very practical information, but also, you know, it just it talks about deliverance and, and you have testimonies that, are, that grip you and grab you and you understand like, man, this is, these are real people. It's, very, it's done in a compassionate way, but it also speaks the truth, the truth in love. Also, Operation Christmas Child is going on right now, packing those shoe boxes. Be a part of evangelism and discipleship when you pack an Operation Christmas Child shoe box. This year, you can go shopping or build a shoe box online with friends and family. Just visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. And I said this before, my family, we're involved in that. We and our, and our churches as well of uh, getting those shoe boxes and packing them. And uh, we delivered them to our church um, this past Sunday. And we have somebody there who's going to bring them to the drop off spot at the proper uh, date. Uh, so, man, it's a great thing to do. It was a great time. Me and my family went out together. Actually, we went out together on uh, October 31st. So we missed all the, the people who were coming to our house to get candy. <laughs> and we didn't have any candy. But anyway, well, we were out shopping for uh, toys and different things for Operation Christmas Child. And that was a great way for us to spend our, our time. Uh, all of us went, even baby Timothy, he was there. <laughs> and uh, it was just an awesome time. It was just an awesome time. And it, it, it teaches our, our children how to give and about giving. You know, these are lessons that can be learned in real time, in real time. This is discipleship. That's discipleship, going, you know, and buying things for other people and having your children uh, pick out certain things for other children, man, that, te- that, that teaches them how to give, how to be, you know, in a, in a mindset that this is not for me. This is for someone else. And that's discipleship. That's a part of discipling uh, our children and our family. So and I know there's a lot of questions. How do you do it? Well, it's life on life. Discipleship is life on life. So as you go and as you take one or two with you or whatever you're doing and you show them how to live in public as a Christian. You know, uh, it, it's it's that those life experiences, at practical life experiences that are discipleship moments for our children. And so, man, it was just a great uh, opportunity. Once again, you can visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC for more information. Before we go further, I want to share uh, and I mentioned this scripture maybe on Monday. I'm not sure, but it was um, what I was praying 
as far as this country and as far as the Christians in, in America, you know, ahead of the election. My prayer, and I, and I mentioned uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 13 through 16, very familiar passage of Scripture. But it says that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. This is uh, a picture of who we are as believers, and I want to just narrow it down in America. I know we have family members all across the world. The body of Christ is huge. It's large. We span the globe. But I want to narrow it down in America, you know, and we find ourselves even right now, you know, in, in, in sticky times, things are going on. We can see, you know, that there are things that are happening um, that are out of our control as, as citizens, but, you know, we can uh, protest and things like that. But at the end of the day, we are still called, no matter what happens, to be salt and to be light. And that's the call that God has, has given us, you know. Uh, again, whoever is in office, the call of the believer does not change. The call of the believer does not change. Now, what may change is Maybe uh, the ease in which we can carry out that call, that may change. The amount of maybe persecution or, or hardships that will come in fulfilling that call. But the call does not change. We ought to be salt and light. And so it's, it's assuring to me to know that we can uh, feel, be confident in knowing that we uh, are called to do that thing, to be salt and to be light, no matter what happens. My wife always says that the gospel never existed in ease. That's something that she always, if you look through, and she's a big, if you've, if you've heard her, she's big into church history. And, and, uh, and often I benefit from her research in church history because we talk about it. This show is Aaron Addison. So <laughs> pretty much what we talk about at home, we talk about here because we want to help believers. We want to help each other to live in a time that we live in from a biblical perspective. How do we live as Christians today? Well, if Jesus said that we are salt and we are light, that has not changed. So what that, that means in whatever culture you're living in, whether you're in Nigeria, if you're in China, you know, if you're in India, uh, if you're in some other part of Africa or wherever in uh, Asia, wherever you may be, if you're in the United States, that does not change. If you are a follower of the way, follower of Jesus Christ, then you are called to be salt and to be light. And so here in America, we have a great opportunity. And I said this yesterday. I need to say it even more that it's, a, it's great for us to be living in a time that we are living in right now. What better time to be salt and to be light, you know, in the midst of, of uh, darkness, you know, and where it's needed, where it's needed. And so the encouragement I want to give even today is that we would take that mandate to be salt and to be light 
take it personally. This is our call. This is what we're called to do. How does it, how does that look? Well, at your job, you know, you live a life at as one of integrity before Christ. You know, the little things, the little things, the things where you can easily get over or easily cheat or do something. Man, I walk upright before the Lord. I'm not going to cheat on that. The opportunities that you may get to be a witness, to share the love of Christ with somebody, you know, on your job or at the gym or wherever it may be. We do it. We just we we put ourselves in in different situations. You know, we assert ourselves in different situations to be salt and to be light. Other times, man, God put us in different places to be salt and light. We can be intentional about it. But but God also provides divine appointments and things like that for us to be salt and to be light. A lot of times we miss it in our households, at our homes. We ought to be that before our kids. Let our children understand and see how we live life, you know, uh, living in this world, living in this country. When people are turning their backs towards God and when they are doing what they desire to do, when, when man has, you know, wants to please himself and, you know, want to do exactly what he feels is right. Well, we as believers, we do what our commander has commanded us to do. That's Jesus Christ. And we are to be salt and light. They say, if, if, but if the salt ha- becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the, on the foot by men. We want to make sure that we are seasoning this place. Up. We're, we are the seasoning for this place, for this country, for this world. You know, we are the ones that the Lord has placed wherever you are right now, whatever city, whatever county, whatever parish, if you're from Louisiana like me, you know, parish that you live in. That's not by coincidence. God has set for you to be right where you are. You ought to be a light. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. If you don't take a light and you, you don't put it under a bushel, you don't hide it, but you put it up to give light to the house, right? That's what we do. We don't tuck our chains. We don't hide ourselves. We stand for Christ in the midst of darkness, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of even what may be coming to America. We stand, right? We stand. If this is considered a modern-day Babylon, well, we stand. We stand. And so my encouragement is for us to stand as salt and us to be light for Christ because God has set for us to be this. This is our call as Christians. This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'll be back right after this. You know me better than I know myself. Your ways are higher than anything else. You have a plan far beyond all my wildest dreams. Just like This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. I'm Will Addison, once again, holding it down for the family. Remember, like my brother Abraham Hamilton says, what happens in your house is far more important than what happens in the White House. Man, we have to turn our focus 
and our hearts to our families and raising our children in the admonition of the Lord. Look, that's important. We have a treasure within our homes. We have a treasure within our homes. And a lot of times we look past that and see how we can make gains in the world. But I want to just put out an alarm and a call that we will turn our hearts to our homes, to our families, and how we can make the most of what God has blessed us with uh, as the people of God with our families. Right now, we're going to turn our attention to uh, our guest, Dr. John Chastine. Uh, he's the author of a book called Half the Battle, Healing Your Hidden Hurts. And Dr. John Chastine is president of the King's University in South Lake, Texas. He and his wife, Michelle, also serve as lead pastors of Victory Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. John's greatest passion is to empower and equip the local church to live, move, and be in the fullness of of Christ. Welcome, Dr. Chastine. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show today. It, it's truly an honor to be with you. Oh, glad to have you. Glad to have you. Now, um, with so much on your plate, because I see that you're a pastor, president of a university, yeah. what stirred your heart to write uh, this particular book? Yeah, you know, I just, as a pastor, I began to realize um, that there's so many people that are dealing with issues and we're fighting battles and mm. whether we're having marital battles or financial battles, whatever that may be. I began to realize over the, over the years that um, behind every battle is another battle and there's mm. a, a greater battle on the inside. And many times God is challenging us to fight a battle on the inside. That's a wound from our past, a, a rejection, mm. uh, an issue that is something that has been a seed that's been planted deep inside our hearts that begins to manifest itself in a way that becomes the fruit that we that we live out in our lives, that become these battles, these issues and these addictions and these these battles that we face on a day to day. And so it just came out of a out of a desire to really get to the root of it. Instead of just continuing to deal with people's issues, we all have issues. But really, there's much greater issues on the inside and the healing that God wants to do on the inside first. Awesome. And, you know, that there, there's so many people uh, that even right now may be experiencing pain and, uh, um, and, you know, in different ways. And how how and why do you believe reading your book, Half the Battle, will help them in, in a practical way? Yeah, it's it's definitely a book that's not a, a for the faint of heart. It's a deep mm. dive mm. In, in, into the into the pain. It's, you know, if I wanted to write a book that was going to sell a lot of copies, I'd have named it, you know, five ways to be blessed. But this is <laughs> right. a, a book that goes into some deep, deep things. And really yeah. it's a, it's a thing that goes to attack a lot of the things that we face. It's rejection. You know, I mm. think I, I dedicate a whole chapter to rejection yeah. Yeah. and, and what rejection does to us over time and the impacts that that has. Mm-hmm. Man. And I, I want to talk to you more about, rejection um, um, yeah. a little later on. But what are some things, you know, because I know uh, as you write a book like this, in the course of writing a book like this, maybe there's some things that you learned in the course of, of writing this book that maybe right. apply to yourself. Right. Uh, what What are some of those things that you've learned from writing this book? Yeah, I think one of the things that's taught me more than anything is as a leader of, of organizations and as, as a father, um, you know, I spent a lot of this book talking about how to overcome pain from our mm-hmm. past and issues that we've we fought, but it's even given me insights as to how am I speaking to my kids 
Mm. What seeds am I planting in my kids? What mm. the way I treat my employees? Yeah. You know, I may be causing, I may be rejecting someone. I may be saying something to someone that's going to become a pain in their future. That's going to impact every area of their life. Mm. And so, probably what I learned the most is is even from a leadership perspective, to be careful, you know, that we don't realize the impact we're having on people's lives and we may not see them 10 years from now, but they may be still carrying some pain that I I caused. And I want to be really careful not to cause people uh, trauma, you know, internal trauma, emotional trauma, that's going to cause them to manifest that in another way down the road. So Yeah. yeah, I think that that's probably one of the greatest things that I learned through the process. You know, that's an uh, amazing thought, you know, having myself been, you know, in church pretty much all my life and, and been involved in, in ministry um, yeah. down the path. You know, you probably had certain people that you may have run into that have caused you pain and you kind of just hold it, you know, when we yeah. probably should yeah. go and, and begin to have conversations with people that we feel offended us, you know, if we want to be biblical, you know, but that happens yeah. a lot. You know, people call it church hurt or different things like that. Yeah. And uh, I that the thought of, of being careful with how you lead and, and what you're doing, even with your family, with your, with your children, you know, that's a, a yeah. very, very important point uh, to be considered. Um, yeah. yeah the, go ahead. Church, church especially. No, like, I was just going to, reiterate what you're saying mm-hmm. church especially there's so many people who are hurt by the church and and you know they associate the church with their faith unfortunately mm-hmm. and, and our faith in the lord doesn't have to be through a pastor or through a person or through a church mm-hmm. but so many times we're hurt by the church which can have so many you know compounding effects on an individual some of that hurt do you think and i'm just thinking of this is do you yeah. think it's because we don't um have the proper way that we deal with hurt in the church, you know, it seemed like, yeah. you know, there are, there are things in the word of God of how, if you're offended, you know, I think about Colossians three talks about, you know, and other scriptures, how we are to yeah. dwell with each other, you know, when there are offenses yeah. and things like that. Do you think it's because we don't use the scriptures and how to deal with, with stuff? Yeah, I think, I think that's a huge part of it. And I also think, you know, really at the, at the core of every human being, we want to be accepted. We have this innate desire to be accepted by people. And when we when we sense any sort of rejection, um, in my book, I go into all these me- these medical journeys and journals and studies mm-hmm. of the research that's been done. Uh, one by by a man named Dr. Winch did MRI studies on the brain, scans of the brain, and when people experience physical pain, like if they break their leg, mm-hmm. versus experiencing rejection or emotional rejection he found that the same neuropathways in the brain are used to deliver that pain. And so he concluded wow. in his research that a broken heart may not be that different than a broken arm. Wow. And so we, when you think about physical pain and how bad that is, when we experience rejection from mm-hmm. a friend or a father or a mother or a comrade or a coworker, yeah. it can have detrimental effects um, on our psyche. And what we do with that pain is very important mm. uh, as believers um, of how how that's going to manifest in our lives. Wow, that's yeah. Because what we do with it, that's that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. Um, in your book, you have a portion called "The Stench Behind the Stone," uh, where you make some yeah. powerful points about Lazarus and his sisters Mary and yeah. Martha. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? 
Absolutely. So I, I begin to find this parallel in the story of Lazarus and, you know, what we do with our pain, our rejection, is the same thing Mary and Martha did with their pain. They asked Jesus to come and heal their brother, Lazarus. And Jesus, in their eyes, rejected them. Mm. He, the Bible says that he delayed and came four days later. And they thought for sure, if anybody's going to come and heal Lazarus, Jesus would. It's his friend. And Jesus is a healer. We've seen him do it. And so when, when they felt rejection, they did with their pain what we do with our pain. They took Lazarus, and they stuck him in a dark place, and they rolled a stone in front of it. Because the pain of the, the pain was too much and the stench was too strong. Mm. Because the body had begun to rot, and it stunk, and we didn't know what else to do with it, so we put it in a dark place, and we roll a stone in front of it. And this is a picture of what we do with our pain. We don't know what to do with it. It hurts. It begins to stink. It begins to rot. It begins, it begins to get infected, and it turns into bitterness and unforgiveness. And so we shove it down deep into the darkest places of our soul. And Jesus is, wasn't, okay, wasn't okay with that. Yeah. Jesus came to confront it. And he said, he comes to them and he says, where have you put him? He wanted to know where they had placed him. And as if he didn't know, right? Jesus, you know, right. he knows the number of hairs on our head. <laughs> right. And right. the thing is, is that Jesus, Jesus knows where our pain is too. Mm. He knows where you put it. But he mm. comes as a gentleman, and he wants us to escort him to our place of pain. Mm. And, you know, Martha came out with her hand on her hip and said, Jesus, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And I think I think sometimes that's how we can feel. Jesus, if you would have been here, I wouldn't have been molested. Mm. If you would have been here, I wouldn't have been abused. If you would have been here, maybe I wouldn't have gotten a divorce. Um, mm. But Martha quickly turns, and she says, but even now, but even now, I don't know why you weren't here, Jesus. I don't understand it. I don't understand why I had to go through that pain. But I believe that even now you can do something with it. And so they they do that. They escort Jesus to the place of pain, and Jesus says, "Roll the stone aside." Mm. And and they say, "Oh, Jesus! By now, he's been dead four days, and the stench is great." And so that's where I use the symbolism of the stench behind the stone. Yeah. And that many times all of us carry the same stench. And Jesus wants us to escort him to our place of pain, roll the stone out of the way, and then allow him to resurrect something in us that has died. Man, yeah, that's an awesome point. That was part of the question that I had next, you know, but you answered it. Because I'm thinking about this in real time and, you know, in a practical way, how do we, uh, when dealing with immense pain, uh, maybe because of loss of a loved one or rejection, even begin mm -hmm. in the midst of feeling that pain, like at, in, in real time, how do we even begin to deal with that pain? But, you know, it sounds like from what you're saying, yeah. the answer is to bring it out before Jesus, like roll that stone yeah. away and let him come in. Yeah, you know, we have options. We have stuff we can do with our pain, and, and people do different things with it. Some mm. people hide it away, yeah, and they just stick it in a dark corner and pretend like it's not there. But the problem with that is the pain does not get smaller. It actually grows, mm. and it, it ends up becoming something that everybody else in your life sees except you, and everybody else is tripping over it. Everybody else is tiptoeing around you because they know that place that they can't mention. So we can hide it, or we can, secondly, we could pass it off, and some people choose to do this. This comes out as a law. I, I lose my temper on you, and I blame you. It's your fault I lost my temper. It's your fault I'm an addict. It's your fault I cheated on you. And we we pass our pain off to other people. Yeah. Um, so we can pass it off if we want, or we can carry it along. You know, we can just say, you know what, this is my problem. I'll deal with it. And we just kind of carry it, and we uh, we reposition it because it gets too heavy, 
And so we'll say things to ourselves like, "Well, I just need a vacation. Well, I just I just need a self help book. I just yeah. need a, a new a new job. That's what I need. I don't yeah. think so." Wow. Um, no. but, but really, the fourth option, mm-hmm. the fourth option, and, re- and really, this is the the main thing we have to do is we have to lay it down because what we'll find is that when we're rejected, we're in good company. Um, all through the Bible, we see people who are rejected. Uh, perhaps the greatest example is Jesus. Jesus. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in Psalm 118 that Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. And it goes on to say that 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 stone of rejection has now become the chief cornerstone. And so we pour stem walls and foundations now, but back then the cornerstone was everything. The cornerstone was what held all the weight of the structure. And the saying that Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith, well, that stone was what everybody else rejected. So everybody else rejected Jesus, mm. and the rejection became the cornerstone. Wow! And so if we'll if we'll lay it down, and really this is the key, we have to lay down our pain at the foot of the cross, and not carry it or hide it away or pass it off. We have to lay it down, and if we'll lay it down, God can actually take something that the devil meant to harm us with, and He can actually build something beautiful out of it. It can actually become a foundation, and that's why people who had marriage problems become great marriage counselors. Mm. And people that were former drug addicts are really good at helping other people overcome drug addiction. Yeah. Because our our issues become a foundation for our ministry. Mm. That's that's good. And uh I'm thinking, you know, right now, even uh within the body of Christ, I I've I've heard well, I just say in this country, the 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 rate of suicide has gone up, you know, and some of yes. it is because of being isolated, maybe locked down, and things like that. But even in the church, there's a yeah. problem of depression and 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 folks, you yeah. know, uh, op- opting to commit suicide. And I'm thinking, man, when you're in uh, that type of fog, you know, and and m- maybe you hear us saying, man, just come to Jesus. It, to them, it don't seem yeah. that easy, you know, like. Like, yep. I don't know how to do that. You know, what what would be some advice to someone who may be dealing with something like that that you would, would, would say? That's so good. That's such a great question. Yeah, the, the abuse in homes is up. Suicide rates are up. Yeah. Alcohol sales are hitting record break. Yeah. Breaking, you know, numbers. And a lot of that is because people, you know, it's like a tube, it's like a tube of toothpaste. If you squeeze it, whatever's inside is going to come out. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so 2020 has Man. squeezed us. <laughs> yes. And um, everybody feels squeezed. And so whatever was down in there, whatever that stench behind the stone was, it's coming out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's all coming out. Yeah. And I, I think that this is a process that, that I, I hope that my book helps people walk through. Um, and really that whole idea of half the battle is that I use the, the story of the Israelites going into to the Promised Land. And they, we know the story well. They leave Egypt and they go through the 40, 40 years in the wilderness and they come up on the banks of the Jordan River. And we know that they cross over and they go on to fight Jericho and Ai and other kingdoms and the southern kingdoms. I believe that the Jericho and all the battles in the Promised Land were only half the battle. Hmm. That the, the real battle happened on the banks of the Jordan River whenever the Lord told them uh, to circumcise themselves. Now, we're thankful today that (laughs) it is not about a fleshly circumcision, but the New Testament says that it becomes about a circumcision of the heart. Hey, Dr. Dr. Chastine, can we we pause right here because we're about to hit a hard hard break. Okay, good. Uh, This is Aaron Addison's here on American Family Radio. We'll be right back after this. 
This is Ernie Addison's here on American Family Radio, and that's Torin Wells, God's Not Done With You. And our guest today is Dr. John Chastain, author of the book, Half the Battle, Healing Your Hidden Hurts. And uh, before the break, we were talking about even like the suicide rates going up and things like that. And how do we address uh, that type of pain where people feel just totally hopeless? And uh, Dr. Dr. Chastain? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I want you to go ahead and finish what you were saying. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you so much. I, I was talking about the importance of understanding who we are in Christ, and mm-hmm. I was using the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and they're on the banks of the Jordan River, and, you know, knowing that they were about to go into the Promised Land and fight, but that was only half the battle. The greater battle happened on the banks of the Jordan River, and the, the Lord told them to circumcise themselves. And circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It was mm-hmm. a, the Abrahamic covenant that you're, you're my children, and this is a sign of my covenant with you. And what he wanted them to know is that before you go into battle, I want you to know who you are. Um, mm-hmm. All of, their, all of their, their parents and their grandparents had all done circumcision, but through the wilderness, they, they didn't, this generation did not get circumcised. And so for us, it's not a circumcision of, of flesh, it's a circumcision of the heart. Mm-hmm. The New Testament talks about the importance of allowing the Lord to circumcise our hearts, to cut away the dead things that has that has accumulated in our hearts. And then right after they do this, this is really cool, this is one of the coolest passages of Scripture in the Bible I want to show this to you. It's in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, right after circumcision, it mm-hmm. says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today... I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Mm. Now, this is really bizarre because they left Egypt 40 years ago. <laughs> they hadn't been in Egypt 40 years ago. And for some reason, the Lord said, today, I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So reproach in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew language means scorn and shame. Mm. So basically what the Lord was saying to them is you haven't been a slave for 40 years but slavery remains in you. Mm. And so we wow. carry the pain from our past. It's generational. And they had never they had never felt the sting of a whip on their back, but they had grew up seeing the scars of the whip on their parents' backs. Mm-hmm. And 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 this is how wounds happen for us. The divorce was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But the divorce remains. Wow. You know, I was wow. somebody was molested 28 years ago. And, and God removed them from that abusive relationship, but the abuse, the pain, the molestation has been carried with us on the inside. And this is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to remove the reproach of our pain from our past so that we can go fight battles. Mm-hmm. And we get so obsessed with fighting the battles that we go fight battles and we're not ready for them. And so I believe before they ever saw the walls of Jericho fall, uh, before the walls of Jericho fell, the walls of their heart fell first. Mm. And so I, this book is just a, a really deep dive of taking people through a purification process, an examination of the heart, and saying, to saying, Lord, if there's anything in me that needs to be dealt with, would you please bring it to the surface? I want to deal with this. I want you to heal this. I want you to heal the stench behind the stone 
so that I can go out and take ground from the enemy and take ground for my family and for my marriage and for my finances. Um, so it's just such an important part of the process that, that many times we just kind of skip over it. Yeah. Yeah. And even thinking about what you're saying, you know, I personally had a close family member to die this year. And, uh, and one of the things my family and other family uh, members purposely, what we do at times is not talk about it. So as to not yep. feel sad, uh, in your opinion, yep. is this, is not talking about it a bad thing in your opinion? Yeah. You know, I think it depends on the family. I think it depends on the situation, but overall, you know, I would, I would say, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really wise to talk about stuff. You mm-hmm. know, the Bible talks about the importance of there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. That that involves us talking. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when, when, when Jesus told them to remove the stone, um, you can imagine what happened when, when they rolled that stone out of the way. What happened literally and metaphorically is light penetrated the darkness. Mm-hmm. And as long as we keep our feelings and our pain and our hurt locked away, um, it, in the dark it will remain. Yeah. And I think um, I think talking is such a vital part of us yeah. of us helping overcome our pain and our issues and our hurts, you know. Yeah, that's good. Um, how do people wait well and, and why is it important uh, in our daily lives? Uh, it's so good. Yeah, I think that it's really easy to talk about this and it's really easy to, <laughs> you know, preach a sermon on it, or write a book on it. <laughs> it's a whole nother journey to wait. Right. Because. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier said than done. And so in any process, there's a waiting process. You know, right now we're all waiting for an election results. You know, <laughs> right. we're constantly waiting on something. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some really important things we can do while we wait. And, and in the book, I go into a little bit about the power of our worship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mentioned one thing in it, that our, our worship, our waiting plus our worship can become our warship. And I think, you know, there's some really powerful things that happen in the atmosphere when we worship. In uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, there's the story of Jehoshaphat, and mm-hmm. the enemy is coming against Jehoshaphat, and it says in the Bible that the enemy was, was more numerous than the, than the sand on the seashore. Mm-hmm. And they were vastly outnumbered, and they began to fast, and they began to pray. And then the Bible says that they went, that the Lord told them, go out and face them tomorrow, and I'm going to fight for, for you. Yeah. And so they had to go through this waiting season. But what I love about the story is Jehoshaphat sent the worshipers out in front yeah, um, with no weapons. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, you're crazy. I'm not going out <laughs> on the front lines without any weapons. <laughs> but really what he was saying is your greatest weapon is, is, is the tip of your tongue. Mm. And the tip of your tongue is the tip of the spear. Mm. And they, they just went into battle worshiping, and the enemy routed the enemy. I'm sorry, God routed the enemy for them yeah. uh, because they led with their worship. And so maybe one of the most powerful things we can do while we wait is to use our tongue for God's glory, to worship Him, to magnify Him, to, to worship Him when we're standing on the mountain, but also worshiping Him when the mountain's standing in our way, you know. Um, so I think that's a, a really important part of, of a process of waiting. So talk more about that, like the weapons of war. Um, you, you, list, you said the tongue, but that's more... Uh, you talk about that a little yeah. bit in your book, and how how do we uh, use use them as well? Well, that was one yeah, way you already I, I explained. Get, yeah, yeah. The other one, one of the other things I, I get to in the book is is talking about Gideon. You know, mm-hmm. Gideon um, was weak. We all know the story of Gideon. He says, "I'm the weakest in my tribe. Right. I'm the weakest in my tribe." And but but the Lord convinces him that he's a warrior, so he goes to battle. And we, we know that the Lord tells him to, to sneak down uh, to the enemy, 
and they had these these torches, and they had uh, jar clays put over the torches. And he said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna scare the enemy to death, basically. So whenever I say, I want you to break the jar and expose the light and blow the trumpet." And so in my book, I go through some of what what those things symbolize, right? The torch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they each carried a torch. And the Bible says that your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And so the mm-hmm. word of God, who is Jesus, you know, John chapter 1, verse mm-hmm. 1, Jesus is the word, become mm-hmm. flesh. And so he is what we carry with us. He's the torch. Mm-hmm. And and when we, when we expose the torch to the enemy, uh, the enemy has no choice but to flee, yeah. has no choice but to be defeated. Yeah. And so this torch in this story symbolizes the word and Jesus and then the trumpet. Uh, the trumpet symbolizes a lot of things in Jewish culture. Um, it symbolizes a, a rally point. When, when you hear a trumpet, it means we're going to rally here. We're going to come together. And there's something powerful about when the body of Christ unites. And we must get better at uniting. Mm-hmm. We must get better at uniting through racial tension. Mm-hmm. We have to unite across racial barriers. We have to unite uh, against um, political barriers. Mm-hmm. And so the, the blowing of the trumpet is this symbolism of, it's a call for us to unite, but it was also a call to battle. And and I, I believe a lot of the tension, a lot of the unrest in our nation right now is allowing for the trumpet to be blown, for, for the body of Christ to unite. Mm. Um, we must unite more than ever before. Yeah. And so those are some of those symbolic things in that story yeah. um, that, that happened in the, in the story of Gideon. A beautiful story. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And you know, g- going back to even like rejection, you you talked a little bit about that. And I remember my dad telling me when I was a teenager that he felt like mm-hmm. I had a fear of rejection, and I, I believe he was mm-hmm. right. Uh, how do we adequately mm-hmm. deal with the pain of rejection, and what is the rejection correction? Yeah, that's really good. It's, it's this idea that if, if we can. I tell you, the first thing you do is you, if you just know the enemy's battle plan, that mm-hmm. gets you so far ahead. I think <laughs> about in sports. You know, I don't know if you like sports. Yeah. Um, you sound like a young guy that likes sports. <laughs> what, what do you do before you football, basketball? What do they do? They watch film mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they they want to know what the enemy's tactics are. They want to know the enemy's plays yeah. so that they can defeat them and get ahead of them. Rejection is one of the enemy's greatest weapons. Mm. And the reason it's a great weapon is because we don't see it coming. Mm. It's so common. Wow. It's so common. It happens every day. We never see it coming. And one of the greatest things we can do as believers is recognize rejection for what it is mm. in the moment and not let that seed of rejection take root. Yeah. So really it's the principle of I'm going to reject rejection. Mm. And yeah. I can do, I can do that. If I, if I if my boss at work does something that makes me feel rejected, if I will just stop for a moment and acknowledge I feel rejected, then it gives me the power to overcome rejection and say, nope, I'm not going to allow that. I'm, I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to go and talk to my boss. I'm going to confront this. And so a lot of it is, you know, that sounds really, really simple. And I think it's because it is. If we can just acknowledge um that we're we're feeling rejected. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing rejection. It's it's a weapon of the enemy, and so I'm going to counteract the weapon by going back to the Word of God. Because really, mm-hmm. what rejection is is we're coming into agreement with the lie that the enemy is saying against us. Wow. And so if we if we feel like 
if I look in the mirror and I see my, that my nose is crooked, because mm-hmm. okay, I played basketball, so I broke my nose a couple times, <laughs> and I notice in the mirror that my nose is crooked, I in, instantly become insecure about my crooked nose. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody, so I come into an agreement with this lie that tells me that because my, I'm giving you a really strange example, but this is <laughs> useless for anything. So I've come into agreement with a lie that says, because my nose is broken, I'm not as good looking as I should be. Mm-hmm. So then anytime anybody acknowledges my broken nose, my crooked nose, mm-hmm. it's confirming a mm. lie that I have come into agreement with, with yeah. the enemy. Now, this can be an insecurity that a woman has about her figure. Mm-hmm. This can be something that a man has about his insecurity, about his financial situation. Mm-hmm. It can it can be plethora of yeah. different things. Yeah. Um, but it's us coming into agreement with this lie that the enemy has told us. Mm. No, that's that's good. You know, uh, man, that that sheds a lot of light on on how the enemy used those things, just like you said, like rejection you know, to take us down, you know, to get us with mind games, Absolutely. you know, to take our own selves out of the game. You know, um, and Absolutely. I want to ask you, we live in a social media uh, age and social media yeah. can make you mo- make people envious, covetous, all kinds of things. Yeah. And rejection uh, deal with rejection. So why do you think uh, this is this is that we deal with rejection because of social media and how, to, how do we avoid that trap of being affected uh, in that way by social media? Yeah. Social media has become one of the biggest areas we can feel rejected. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> if I, if we got off this phone call and I got on your Instagram page and I followed you, mm-hmm. but then you didn't follow me back, <laughs> that's reject. That's rejection. Right. You know? <laughs> and so I immediately think, well, what's wrong with me? You know, no one, <laughs> I posted something and only three people commented on right, it. Right. And it's just another attack of the enemy. Oh, and really man. we overcome rejection the same way in every area of our life. And yeah. it's going back to the truth that I'm in a covenant relationship with Jesus. Mm. And if everybody else on this planet rejects me, my heavenly father accepts me Amen. because we're born. Like I said earlier, we're born with this innate desire to be accepted. And this is what covenant is with the Lord. And the, the Lord tells us over and over again, Jesus told his disciples when he, when, when he was about to go up to heaven mm-hmm. in, the, in the ascension, he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Mm-hmm. And so what he's saying is, I accept you. This world is going to reject you. He right. told us this. Right. This world will reject you. They've rejected me. They will reject you too. But know that I accept you. Yeah. I redeem you. Yeah. I love you. And so no matter what happens on this this earth where we feel rejection, we can rest assured knowing that our Heavenly Father, the one that really only matters in the first place, um, mm, it fully good. accepts us. And then we can reject rejection. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, last question. What is your ultimate hope for all who read Half the Battle? Oh, it's such a good question. I, I really hope that it takes people to a deep dive. Um, you know, I've had people that read the book and and. It's, it's a life-altering, life-changing situation. And I think I have read the uh, people I have read, read the book who read the first chapter and are like, oh, yeah, I'm not going there. Because <laughs> it really does get in your business. Yeah. You know, it, it's like an infection. You know, if you touch some an infected wound, it hurts and yeah. you pull away. Um, so I, my prayer is that, that they would, people would really allow, they would, to use that metaphor, they would roll the stone to the side. Mm-hmm. That's our job. We expose the pain. We, we bring it to the surface and allow God to heal it and restore it. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for being with me, Dr. Chastain. The book is called Half the Battle, Healing Your Hidden Hurts. This has been Aaron Addison here on American Family Radio. Tomorrow I'll be back, Lord willing. 
God bless.